0: Welcome to the Gamers Over 50 podcast. This is episode 52. We came, we saw, we packed. This is a very special episode for me because I get to do an interview and ask questions <laughs> of people. And oh, a person. I should probably introduce him. This is my very, very, very good friend, Kate Edwards. Hello. Kate, what do you do for a living?
1: I am a geographer who's been working in the game industry for over 27 years. And um, I also uh, used to run the International Game Developers Association, and I currently run the Global Game Jam.
0: Ah, remember, Global Game Jam. We went to the Global Game Jam two years ago. Hopefully, we can go this year again. But that's awesome. So Kate is awesome because she scored a PAX pass and got my friend Wayne. And hopefully, one day, Wayne, I know you're listening, (laughs) will join the podcast. Hopefully he will. Um, But we went, we went to PAX and uh, went on Friday and then we went on Saturday and then we decided not to go on Sunday because you just came back from Greece yes, and you were pretty tired and I don't feel like making the people who are nice to me (laughs) tired. So from PAX, um, going there, you know, the one, number one thing I talked about in the pre PAX is safety information. Did you feel safe at PAX?
1: I did. I I actually thought that they did a really good job of, you know, verifying everybody, um, you know, making sure that everyone had the wristband that showed that you either had the, you know, your vaccination card or your negative PCR test. Um, For me, it was interesting because this was back to back because in Greece, I had just come back from speaking at my first live event in over a year And in the Greeks event, which was not a game industry event, but they required vaccinations. They required PCR tests. They had us distance. They had us wearing masks in the venue, just like PAX. And, you know, we felt really safe. Now, the, the, the event in Greece was only about 100 people, so much, much smaller. But for me, it was kind of this priming the pump for then coming back to home to Seattle and going to PAX when, you know, it's the same thing, just on a bigger scale. And I felt like, well, it went really well in Greece, even at that smaller scale. So why wouldn't it go fine here? So I actually felt really safe. I thought they did a great job of, uh, you know, making sure you know, they followed the protocol. And... They made sure everyone was masked within the venue. It was pretty spaced out. Um, So, yeah, I felt pretty safe there.
0: I would agree. And it it was actually very easy to go through and get your wristband saying that you've been vaccinated. And I felt social distance. I did get close to a lot of people. And as I uh, expressed that being a germaphobe, and I'm actually really close to you, which is bothering me. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) It's not. I know you well enough. Um, But you have cats. Anywho. (laughs) It it was a really good thing. And after the fact, I read a a tweet, 93% of the people that showed up to PAX were vaccinated. So that's really kind of cool. And I think, like I said, I think people were going to be good about it. People were good about it. I didn't even see a single scuffle or anybody acting crazy.
1: Mm -mm, Nothing.
0: Um, Did you attend any panels at PAX?
1: I did not this year. I mean, typically, um, like when they do PAX Dev, which they do always during, with alongside PAX West, which they did not do this year. I usually am speaking at PAX Dev, which is over like in the Western Hotel a few blocks away um, this year, just because Friday I was super tired because I just literally got back from Greece the night before. And then Saturday we were just kind of hanging out more. So, and frankly, I didn't have time to really see what the panels were. So it's kind of on me that I didn't look because maybe I would have gone to some.
0: I will I will tell you this. Um, what I always hear about San Diego Comic-Con about people lining up and being ready for panels was true. I went to two panels. I went to the new decade of MMOs. It was really good. Uh, a lot of people who have been in the industry for a very long time, and you knew that because they talked about EverQuest <laughs> as the uh, like oh, the first MMO or Ult, and I'm like, I played Ultima. that was the first. <laughs> uh, but it was really good, and it was very interesting because it talked a lot about community, which I'm a big fan of, and especially understanding the people that are playing and getting into MMOs. The other one I went to was how to navigate brand deals, and I thought that was very an interesting topic, and it was near where I was, so I was like, "All right, I'll join this." And it's also helpful when you have a pack, uh, you know, podcast, because maybe one day I might want to try to do this more than my regular job. Actually, every day I want to do this more than most of my regular job. <laughs> kidding, am I? No, I am kidding. And um, it was really good. And I will. I want to give a shout out to Will Overgard, who is a streamer and he thought I was somebody else, which happens a lot because people used to think I look like Anthony Edwards, which is kind of okay, like early on, except for he was in Revenge of the Nerds. And then it's like, oh yeah, you're a goose. I die in Cop Gun, not cool. And then he loses all his hair and then he dies again in ER. So I was like, oh my gosh, please. Can't I look like Tom Cruise? No, I'm still like a foot and a half taller than him, so it wouldn't work out. But Will did a really good job of trying to explain streaming and how people do it and what you should think about and understanding having a one pager and things like that. It was really really helpful. Uh, stepping into the expo hall, I thought it was a little bit lighter than normal. Uh, it, it was there were still a lot of vendors, but like the big game companies, Microsoft, Nintendo, Sony weren't there. Uh, the Indie Alley wasn't there, which is kind of a bummer, but mm-hmm. Indie Alley always to me as a germaphobe is somewhere where I wish I was wearing like a full body suit and helmet, <laughs> um, because everybody's like standing and pushing and rubbing into you. So what did you think about the X-Ball?
1: I thought in general, it was pretty much what I was ex- going to expect or what I was expecting. I knew it would be sparse because most of the big companies already declared a long time ago, they were not doing any live events till 2022. Um, you know, so no Microsoft, Sony, Ubisoft, none of them. Um, you know, it was it was uh, kind of funny to see Bondi Namco, kind of a diehard, you know, AAA company was there. And so um, what was interesting, though, is that, you know, there was definitely empty space on the show floor more than a little more than I expected. But, you know, at the same time, I was thinking, especially when we were there on Saturday, it's like for those who did show up, you got a lot of attention because the crowd on Saturday was pretty decent. And so with fewer vendors and fewer people showing off their games, it's like, you're getting a lot more attention than you probably would. And plus we saw a couple of vendors there, which I don't remember them at previous PAXs, but now they, I guess, because of either the, I don't know if it was the cost structure just other companies were like, we're not going this year. um, They showed up and I think they got a lot of great attention because, you know, they had the opportunity. So Um, So it was cool. It was actually, I think, you know, it gave more visibility to what was on the show floor. And I thought that was pretty good. So because honestly, in a normal year, PAX can be pretty crazy. And even though I love the Indie Mega Booth area, and I typically spend most of my time in the Indie Mega Booth, you're right in that that area is just one incredible cluster fun of people. You know, it's pretty crowded all the time.
0: Oh, I should have warned you, we don't curse on this podcast. I didn't. Thank you. I appreciate that, though. And I was like, oh, no. Um, well, I do that just so that kids can listen, because if my kids want to listen ever, and I swear to God, if you don't listen no, uh, I, I agree. And I also think it was part of the I wonder, and I would love to ask them the question, did you hit a limit where you said this is as many as many vendors as we can have for the space Because we want the social distancing. We want people to feel comfortable. Mm. And, you know, I think the whole one of the things we talked about is we had a PAX.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. We had a PAX. And I think there there probably were a lot of health considerations pushed into this. And it was exciting. And it was also good because we got some local folks that Mm. we hadn't seen before. And so we'll talk about those in a second. But I did spend money at PAX this year. I, I spend money. <laughs> PAX is like, I don't know, like Christmas shopping in September for me. <laughs> um, some of the things I got were I got Animal Crossing pins, got me my Tom Nook. Actually, I got my Isabelle, let's just be honest. I did get some cool PAX pins that are like a mouse and a controller and stuff on it. I got a three foot by two foot gaming mat, which will fit almost every game. I am prepping for the return of Dark Tower (laughs) and the potential of Gloomhaven for Christmas because I've talked about it so much. (laughs) Um, I got a new hat. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, A bunch of Um, T-shirts. T-Turtle does awesome T-shirts. I got a dinosaur T-shirt of why they can't clap and it's because they're extinct. (laughs) I also got somebody a Christmas gift who might be in the room right now. Um, I did get the Wrong Party Game by Unstable Games, and I'm going to talk about that in the next podcast. I'm going to talk about some of the games, as well as I got my wife some Yahtzee dice. Please don't make fun of her because she plays Yahtzee. She's really good. Like, she could be a competitive Yahtzee player. She kicks my butt all the time. Um, They're super peachy and sparkly and almost impossible to see, unless apparently you're my wife who can see them right off the bat, which is funny because she, like, Kate's like thinking she just made this awesome apple pie and you're ripping her over her <laughs> dice. I'm like, they're really hard for me to see. I like, it must be like, I, you know, I don't have Was uh, what is it? I'm not colorblind because it'd be right on that spectrum. And then I got a Mario Kart lanyard and of course a PAX lanyard. So that was good. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Dexer from Los Cruces, New Mexico as the winner of the Omega Thon I did get to watch them play uh, one game on Friday. I think you were mm-hmm. doing a call or something, so I was hanging out. I got to watch them play a game. It was so cool because you saw these whole, all these people, ultra competitive to try to win, which is cool. Um, the PAX Arena was also there, and this is you know where people play games against each other, but you can also watch. They had Twitch, and you can actually go out and watch the Twitch streams still. People playing these games. My favorite part of the arena though was it was a there were huge areas to the to the left of it, not the right of it, the left of it, and then also behind it that we could just hang out away from people, like in our small cluster of folks and see it. Mm-hmm. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I thought that was great. It actually reminded me of the old PAX days. Remember when they, they actually used to do the League of Legends tournament yep. up in the uh, the upper floor of PAX way back when? And, um, of course, then it just got too big and crazy, so they moved it out of the entire convention center but it kind of reminded me of that, which was always fun. You know, that was one of the highlights of PAX. You could kind of walk past the room and the energy coming out of this room is crazy. You know, people watching and screaming and and all of that. So, um, yeah, I thought that was cool to have that back. It's
0: um, it's crazy. as eSports. And you're right. Those League of Legends I actually got goosebumps because I was thinking about going to the, I guess it's now Climate Change Arena, yeah. key, key arena <laughs> to watch the League of Legends. And yeah. I talked about that, I think, in the last podcast, actually. But it was, it was very neat and it was fun. I, the game, uh, I forget the game they were playing.
1: Oh, no, Was it Dota 2?
0: No, the, the, the one they were playing there oh. was kind of.
1: Oh, I don't remember yeah. what that was.
0: Anyhow, but it was, yeah, I thought it was really, really good. Yeah. All right. Pen trading. Nope. I'm not giving my pens up. See, <laughs> look, there's my pens over there. That thing is full of pens. I mean, I got full, I have another one full of dice too. Not, those don't go away either unless somebody needs them for a game. So, did not trade any pens. I collected more pens. I don't want to give them up. <laughs> um, also, walked by True Dungeon. This was actually interesting to me because you had to pre-register to get into True Dungeon. I didn't pre-register, but I, I one packs. We are going to Monday. I'm gonna. Everybody's getting a Christmas gift and I'm gonna be like, well let's do packs, or we'll talk to them and say, Hey, we'll do a live stream of our podcast or something. And go in and get a whole group of people. Cause I'm thinking Wayne, Lisa, we got Heather. That'd be fun. We Make Lucy come because she can be like a, a dwarf since she's a rogue. You know, since she's 12. <laughs> she's shorter. Um, yeah, but to get get people together to do a true dungeon. That was good. Mm-hmm. So the diversity lounge was actually at the perfect place, I thought, right by the escalators. It had great ability, you know, people could just walk in, walk by, get an idea of it. Yeah. What did you think of the diversity lounge?
1: Um, well, it was obviously scaled back a little just because not everyone showed up. I mean, like I'm on the board of TakeThis.org, and we did discuss a couple months ago and made a decision as a board and a, as an organization that to not show up and not have a physical presence um, just because there was a lot of uncertainty about whether or not, because at that time a couple months ago when we needed to to commit, there was a lot of uncertainty about whether or not, what is it really going to be live or not? And because um, Take This, which deals with mental health in the game industry, last year we had to pivot and do a virtual version anyway, because a lot of people know us for our AFK rooms, um, like a a mental health space. So they pivoted and did like an online version last year. So we just said, you know what, for this edition, let's just go with that again, rather than kind of, you know, figure out whether or not we have to staff up live um, but anyway, that's why I take this wasn't there. But I thought for for the groups that did show up, it's great. You know, it's great exposure. And you're right. I think um, where it was this time, in a normal year, the other location is also good because it, everyone walks through that. Yeah, road, it's up like, on the sixth floor. Usually, is, right? right? The yeah. sixth floor, and it's at, it's at a point where pretty much everyone has to navigate to that space. Um, that's my only complaint about this where it is on the what was it the fourth floor when you get to the top of the escalator you will see it right away but if you're like distracted it's easy to not see it too because you basically have to kind of walk over there yeah you, you can go to
0: the expo hall but when you're leaving if you want to go to the you'll I see felt it like it, yeah right yeah, there
1: yeah I totally agree when you're leaving it it's kind of it's hard to hard to miss it so yeah I thought that was good
0: okay so real quick. Take This. What is Take This?
1: So TakeThis.org deals with mental health in the game industry, both on the developer side and on the gamer side. And so what we do, um, what we became known for originally, was setting up what we call AFK rooms at all the PAX events worldwide. And an AFK room is basically a safe space. It's basically a quiet space where if you need to take a mental health break, you can go in there and basically do exactly that. You can stay there as long as you want. It's just a quiet room. There is an on staff clinician who's in the room now they're obviously not there to like diagnose or anything they're basically there to help people who might be in some kind of crisis mode um for whatever reason so um so think of it in a way it's almost like a, a first aid station for mental health right in the same way you have a first aid station for you know nicks and bruises
0: this to someone who's a germaphobe maybe or right. uh but crowd anxiety i mean Normal packs, crowd anxiety is a real thing. Unless you're like us, over you know six foot tall and you can see over (laughs) everybody, I always feel bad for people, and I try to be very cognizant of that. But it is true, and or if you're someone maybe it's just like the flashing lights, the noise, it can just you know there's something it can get to you eventually. Yeah. So yeah, and I, I I don't think they had it. I mean, it was so big that you could kind of separate yourself.
1: Yeah, this year it was, well. well, especially this year because there's fewer people, there's more open space. So I think that it was kind of naturally built into the environment. Um, that's why, that was another reason why we were not as concerned about not having a physical AFK room on site. Um, so I think it was fine for this version. But yeah, in a normal year where it's just so many people and it's so loud and crazy and everything. Um, yeah, makes a lot of sense.
0: Totally. So we did PAX, have you ever done PAX XP before? Uh, and, no, I haven't. Yeah, you know, we all registered for it, and I still haven't figured out how to look at it. It's, <laughs> I have the app. I think I should have like registered the app when I was there. It's hard to do something after the event. Um, but that was the first time we've done Pax XP. It was way out of my element because I just wasn't. I was doing other stuff. I was looking around. <laughs> I was listening. Um, I did hang out at the handheld lounge for a little bit. Uh, they did not have the giant bean bags oh. because. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, know. Uh, I know. Uh, <laughs> it's so yucky. <laughs> I can, I mean, I could bring my own beanbag, but then I would have to take it back, and that's like a three-hour trip to go into the car parking. We park there, so um, we did go to the tabletop expo, yes. and you, I love this space because there were a lot of new booths. In fact, there uh, one of the game uh, cafes that is near my house. I am actually pushing them to maybe do an interview with me, so I'm not going to say their name Mm -hmm. because I want them to listen to this and be like, hey, he didn't say their name. Um, (laughs) But there were a lot of great booths, obviously dice stuff, dice towers, things like that. My favorite was, and I think it was yours, was Metallic Monsters. Yes. Uh, This was amazing. They were doing 3D printing of metal into... Shoot, if I had my card on, there's like 4,000 shapes or 2,000 yeah, shapes. I,
1: something like that. Yeah, I so. mean, the quality was remarkable, really. And it's just, and plus, it's just, it's honestly, it's that visceral heftiness of it. You pick up one of the figures, even one that's only like three inches tall or so, and it's heavy. You're like, wow, okay, this is like a serious figure. Because I think for a lot of us, especially when you're like, used to tabletop RPGs and stuff. You used to like little pewter or lead figures that don't weigh very much. So you pick up one of these things. You're just like, oh my gosh, this is like legit. My little bowl. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So um yeah, that was really cool.
0: It was really neat to see it. And so which one was your favorite one? Oh, I'm God. putting you on the spot. Uh,
1: there was, well, I, I think I picked up that one Valkyrie looking one. Um, that one was pretty cool. Cause it's looks like something I would probably cosplay.
0: Yeah. I like the Minotaur. It's the bull thing born in May, but (laughs) it was also kind of neat because you could see the detail. So unlike the ones you're saying, they're like three to four inches tall. The detail was incredible. And even the little tiny ones, the detail kind of went away, but it reminded me a lot of miniatures.
1: Very much. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, actually I'll put their website out. And you have to take a look at it. I wonder what their biggest one is. Hopefully it's like a giant dragon. That'd be
1: cool. I don't know. But now that we were talking about this, I think I meant to go back and buy one, but I never did. So at least, I, well, there's the website. Oh, well, Christmas so.
0: is coming. <laughs> <laughs> like winter is coming. Christmas is coming. <laughs> so the other thing is we did uh, test out a game. Do you want to talk about that?
1: Yeah, it's a game called Holy, which is based on the Indian holiday and so wait uh, what's the Indian holiday? So about? the Indian holiday is is it is a celebration of color and so i think a lot of people have seen this probably in the media or in like you know news sites or social media where um, it's a celebration where you basically throw colors And it's like this explosion of color. So what oftentimes people will start out by wearing light clothing or white clothing, because then the color just explodes all over you. And, you know, by the time the day is over, you're just completely covered in like this chalky, very vibrant color uh, powder. That and, washes
0: out of clothes because I've been to a color, one of the like does. holy color runs that you can run and people are throwing it at you. Exactly. Not in your face, which is really nice because yeah. like, I wore goggles just to be safe. Yeah. I and so
1: it. this this game I thought was a really good representation of the holiday because not only did it have like a three-dimensional structure because there were three levels that were built on this little tower. Um, that kind of mimics some of the, like the Mughal architecture of India, which was kind of a nice touch. But the way that the game is played between you and other players, it's basically like throwing color on players and getting points for it. And uh, I thought at at its core game design, they they kind of captured the essence of what the holiday is about.
0: They did. And and it was, again, very colorful, three tier. Mm -hmm. Uh, The little figurines were cool. I can't believe I I didn't play the elephant. (laughs) (sighs) I'm still on that one. But... Um, so then we went to tabletop free play, and Kate learned a new game.
1: <laughs> did
0: and we've actually talked about this game, Carcassonne. Um, what were your thoughts about playing? Other than the way we were able to find a table, which I will tell you this <laughs> is, is this is a true thing about the gaming community: tables open up at these, and people share table. We shared our table yes, with three we did other it. people. But it's amazing because if you go to like a mall food court, it's almost impossible to get a table because people are like there for like hours (laughs) and they're having like family reunions and stuff. But it was very easy. We got in there and then we sat down and Kate Wayne and I played and you learned a new game. What did you think of it?
1: I liked it a lot. I mean, the the cool thing is, and that's another reason why I love going through the Tabletop Expo, for me, actually, at any PAX event, that's often the highlight for me, because my days are spent in video games. I mean, I work in the video game industry, so it's like day in, day out. It's all digital games, which is great. You know, obviously, I love it, but I don't get a lot of chance to play Analog games, as we call them, and I let alone like discover new ones very much because you know, like most game players, if you even have the time to play something, you know, like a like an analog game, it's probably during a holiday with your family, and it's probably going to be a game you have played before, you know, because it's nostalgic. It's a like, day hey, let's play this again. It's fun. We remember when we played it together. So it was great to learn this game, and this was a fun game. It was uh, really interesting.
0: And we also kind of talked about having a game day coming up soon where Wayne and potentially his wife and yourself or friend Lisa will come over and play with games in our house. And you can see I have a few games over
1: there. It's a few.
0: Yeah. And I've got (laughs) another two closets full of board games. I think
1: Wayne has a whole basement full of them. I know.
0: And he could bring over dark tower and then we could play dark tower and return to dark tower. If we really wanted to give up that much of our life, (laughs) but I also agree. And there were probably, I'd say close to 1500 plus games that you could
1: Oh it will pick up and take. Yeah.
0: Cardboard dice name it.
1: Well plus it was nice like the one of the vendors that we talked to he even offered too. He said, well, "Hey, if there's something you want to play, I'm happy to lend you one of our games if you want well, to." Well that's
0: the person that I'm trying to get. Yeah, to- exactly. But that was it was great because it you know they had and they had games. We didn't yeah. play that one game. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. Dune. No, no. <laughs> no, that looked good, but it's only like the sixth Dune game. But no, it was the one with the, it was like the hand you had to push the little.
1: Oh, the magnetic thing. Yeah, the yeah, magnetic like a, I don't remember the name yeah. either.
0: I'll find that game. That'll be something we talk about. Um, Stop by the Child's Play Charity booth. And that's where I got my new hat, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. And I talked about them. They had a great space for their booth. Everything was there. You could see things. And it was actually where we took our annual PAX picture. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I'm very, um, I'm very
1: familiar with the child play folks from when I used to run the uh, game developers association. So it's a great group of people,
0: yeah, 180 hospitals. So even better. All right, so with, then we looked at the PAX 10, um, which was funny because when I we were standing at the PAX 10, I asked you where the PAX 10 was, and you're like, you're right here. And I'm like, <laughs> oh man, yeah, see, that's why I bring someone who's a geography person with me <laughs> to a game convention or any kind of convention because they yeah. can read a map no yeah i, I was just looking around I, i'm like a child when i'm looking around these <laughs> i'm like staring at all the cool pictures and lights but i saw two games that i really thought were cool that i'm probably going to play probably going to buy probably going to talk about in the next podcast exactly going to talk but neon noodles which is a puzzle game it looks a little cyberpunky so that's kind of cool love that kind of stuff and then wild at heart which is an adventure strategy game and this game is beautiful mm. And it also looked like a game that if my wife wanted to play, my daughter or my son wanted to play, it would also be really good. So final thoughts on PAX. How, what did you think?
1: Well, I mean, kind of that first and foremost reaction is kind of how we felt on Friday when we first showed up. It was like, I can't believe we're actually in PAX. You know and it felt so good just to be on a show floor i don't care if we're wearing masks i don't care if they had to check my vaccination card i just love the fact that we're back together in the same room this whole group of people who love games you know we're willing to do what's necessary to be together again and to share that experience and i just thought that alone was just a huge boost i think you know emotionally mentally um, it, it's almost like when that happens, it's like, wow, we might actually be coming out of this sort of hopefully, you know, it it's, it's hopeful
0: fingers crossed,
1: fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah. But it was, but just that alone, the fact that PAX even happened in a live format this year was a, a victory. I thought.
0: And you're more adventurous than I am. You leave the house, but I don't have to leave the house. I can work from home <laughs> and stuff, but I agree. And it was also kind of neat because I think it gave some space to people who don't get a lot of space. Mm-hmm. right like yeah. there were people there there were companies there there were groups there there were groups there we we saw we talked about all the groups we didn't see
1: mm-hmm. what was
0: interesting is talking about the people we did see like the people yeah. where you buy the mat they like got the cool mat yeah. and it's a really cool mat it's got dragons all over it so yeah and they're, they're like little baby dragons so everybody loves it <laughs> but it was it was interesting because it was the people that we didn't see it was okay, but the people that were there, the new people like Floodgate, who we saw, yeah, um, that certain game cafe. That's well, there was really cool. there's also
1: that certain comfort in that. Yeah, some of the vendors that were are always there, and there were some of the vendors that were there that have been at packs for years, and they were in their same location. So it's kind of that's just that alone <laughs> kind of has that little comforting feeling, like oh, okay, so it's actually back.
0: Exactly, <laughs> like they were like the tea Turtle guy was, or not the tea Turtle guys, the uh, Dice guy. That's right, when you get in between the two calls. Yes, Chessex. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Cool.
0: Well, Kate, thank you for joining. Thank you. I now owe you a meal. So uh, (laughs) next podcast, we're going to talk about games from PAX. So thanks, and we'll talk to you soon.